I mean incredible. You can't go to any store in Mason without seeing the little Mason food pantry box out there. And uh, it's impacted the lives of so many people. So we are just so grateful to have Gina running the food pantry and all the volunteers that are a part of that are amazing. Truly, truly amazing. Uh, one last thing before I we, we get into my sermon here. If you are interested in being a host who would, this is a paid position, part-time, we need someone over in the Grace Impact Center that will be there from like 7 to 10 o'clock at night. And we need someone there just to host it. If anybody has any questions or needs anything, there are about 2,000 people a week who use the Grace Impact Center. And uh, what's happening sometimes is they'll, they'll leave the heat on, they'll leave the lights on, they'll do that. And, you know, so we want to make sure that everything's buttoned up and everything's good. So if you're interested in working five days a week, five or six days a week from seven to 10, um, not a very difficult job. It'd just be, we just need you there to, to make sure everything's running properly and taken care of. So if you could do that, that would be great. Let me know or Pastor Kevin know sometime this week. We'd really appreciate it. This morning... We're going to talk about changing the world. And as I thought about how we're going to end this series, how we conclude this series, I wanted to make sure that we all realize, we all truly understand that to impact our world, we need to have courage. I could spend this, this whole time talking about we're going to impact our world and change our world in this way, we can change our world in that way, but to truly have the impact on our world that we, we want to have, that God wants us to have. We need to have courage. We need to understand that fear, fear can silence or cripple the spiritually strongest among us. Can cripple those who are, you know, some of the people you think are spiritually strong, but there are areas of each of our lives where fear creeps in and keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. It is not God's will for his people to shrink back from their present responsibilities or to dread the future. How often do we, do we think of something in the future and we avoid it? We don't want to, we don't want to try it. We don't want to do it because we, we're, we're kind of concerned and we've never done that before or we've had an experience in our past and that's similar, it's a similar experience to what's happening right now and so you don't want to be a part of that because kind of Pavlov's dogs, if you will, you had that experience in the past so you don't want to repeat it again and so you don't do maybe something that God is calling you to do, that God wants you or that just that you want to do. You'd love to try it You'd love to experience it, but you don't because of the fear in your heart. Although we may feel afraid sometimes, we should never let fear dictate the way we live our lives or control our tomorrows. We should never let fear dictate the way we live our lives today or control our tomorrows. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. It's really the whole, that whole chapter, but Joshua 1, 9 says this. God says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Do not, be, do not tremble. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The promise that God gave Joshua that day is no less important today. It has the same meaning for us today. I will be with you wherever you go. Don't, do, do not fear. Don't allow fear 
to stand in your way. Be strong and courageous. God's promise to Joshua is our promise today. When I was growing up, fear had a very powerful part of my life, very influential in my life. And I believe the reason that I, that I had that kind of fearful attitude was because of how many times I moved around growing up and then being put in very uncomfortable situations. When you're always the new guy, everything is new, if you will. If you're moving from place to place, you move from city to city, state to state, you're always in a new school. And so everything was always new and therefore always uncomfortable for me because again, you walk into a new environment, everybody knows each other, they don't know you. And I think after a while, that starts to weigh on you and you start to realize new means trouble. New is a problem. Trying something new, doing something new, being in a new environment was a problem. Some of my oldest memories um, as a child were of watching football with my dad. I didn't spend a ton of time with my dad. My parents were divorced when I was like five or six years old, so I didn't spend a lot of time with my dad, but I remember vividly watching football games with my dad and my brother eating cornbread and buttermilk. My friends, that's a southern thing, and buttermilk's nasty, okay? It's nasty. I mean, I was a little kid, and I, I, I would drink it because they, they were drinking it. I, was, I always wondered, what, I don't understand. This is torture. Why would you want, football's awesome, buttermilk is nasty. But we would sit, and we would, we would watch football, and we would uh, eat cornbread and buttermilk. And my parents gave me a football when I was seven years old. It was and still is one of my prized possessions. I absolutely love this. And if there's anyone who knows how to repair something like this, I would appreciate you talking to me because it, it, uh, it's kind of you know, flattened out now, but I've had it for how many years? I'm 51 years, seven years old, so I've had it for a very long time. This is one of my prized possessions, something that matters so much to me in my life. Now, I've shared the story with you that I'm gonna share This morning, I've shared it a few years ago, but most of you probably not heard it, and I really believe that it it fits very well with what we're going to talk about this morning, so I want to share this story with you again. When I moved to New York when I was in sixth grade, um, there were days through my junior high and high school years that I played football from sunup to sundown. I would get home, get home from school, we would play. If on the weekends, we would just play. We'd get there early, and we would stay there until it got too dark so that we, that we couldn't see. And we played constantly. And one thing about football, you know, each one of us has different, you know, talents that God has given us. For some reason, I could always catch. I had the ability to catch the ball. Even when I was younger, you know, when you teach your child to catch, I, for some reason, I could always, I remember even standing with my dad and him throwing this ball, And I remember being able to catch it. So that's something that God has given me the ability to do, to catch the ball. I remember when I was in in high school, and we were in gym class. Remember remember gym class? I'm not sure they have gym class anymore. But when I was growing up in gym class, it was child abuse. Because number one, what they made you wear, remember those shorts? They made you those really short shorts they made you wear? Go watch like a 1970s basketball game. Like pull it up on YouTube and you'll understand my dilemma. Okay? They made you wear those shorts and those short sleeves. And then they, they made you go outside. 
I mean, you were, they would say, oh, come on, you're fine, kid. And you go outside in your shorts and your T-shirt. And we were playing football. They were teaching us how to play football. And I didn't know how to play already. So the coach, you know, we were, they were picking teams. And the coach was one of the guys picking. And he said, yeah, I'll take you and I'll take you. And he took me on his team. And I'll never forget as we were in the huddle, the coach who was drafted, remember the old Houston Oilers? Our, our football coach, he was one of the football coaches on the high school team, also the gym teacher, he was drafted by the Houston Oilers. He was a great quarterback. And we're in the huddle, and we're kind of standing around, and he, he looks across and says, can you catch? I said, yeah, I, I can catch. And so about three plays into the game, he says, Greer, go long. So he went back, threw the ball, and he was a good quarterback, landed, boom, touchdown. Once he figured out I could catch like that, he, he, the whole entire, like every third play, Greer, go long. Hey, Greer, go long. And I think he just enjoyed throwing the ball, you know what I mean? So he would, all the, whole, the, whole, the whole time for me was a joy because he would just lay the ball right there. I'd be able to get it. And we had a gym class that was catching the ball. Here's what happened. He said, you're going out for the team, right? Uh, oh, wait a second. I'm not going out for any team. I don't know the guys on the team. The guys I know on the team, I don't like. I'm going to be really uncomfortable. There's no way I'm going out. It's, it's, it's new. New means trouble. So I told him, nah, I've got to work, and I've got things to do, and I'm really busy, whatever. I made some excuses. He bugged me for a little while, a couple of weeks in school, and he got me in the hallway, called me in his office, and he talked to me. And finally, since he couldn't get his way in talking to me, he called my mother. He called my mother for a couple of years, asking her if she could talk me into going out for the football team. But I wouldn't do it. Fear kept me from joining. Simple as that. And it even bugs me to say that. But fear kept me from joining. Because again, new, doing something new meant trouble. So I wasn't going to do it. Christ came into my life the second half of my senior year. Um, and I really wanted to play, but the football season was over. Once Christ came into my life, my life was transformed. The person who I was designed and created to be came out when I received Christ. But the season was over. That was my last chance. I went to Nyack College, which is a Christian university, and they didn't have a football team. So for 20 years, I lived with the regret that I didn't try. It bothered me as a follower of Jesus Christ. I didn't try, and it, and, it has, and it bothered me. I had this regret that I'd lived with for 20 years. One day, I was standing right down here, 20 years later. I was standing right down here on 42, and we were watching the, the Mason Heritage Festival parade. And as I watched the parade, standing there with the family and some youth group kids around, and we were hanging out, and all of a sudden I saw the King's Comets semi-pro football team marching. And I thought, oh, that's cool, a semi-pro football team. My mind started going. I thought, hmm, I wonder how you become a King's Comet semi-pro football player. So I talked to one of the players, and he said, they're going to have tryouts in a, in a couple of weeks, and, and, and I come in a couple of months, actually, and my heart... my heart started pounding at the thought of putting those old regrets to rest. Maybe having the opportunity to go out for this semi-pro team, and that would put all those regrets to rest, something that was bothering me for 20 years. Maybe I'd have the opportunity. My friends, there is no need to fear when we lean on the powerful presence of our Lord. There is no reason for us to fear 
when I had Jesus Christ in my life, when the Holy Spirit filled me with his presence, I had no need to fear. What can man do to me? I lived my life with reckless abandon. I did whatever I felt God was calling me to do. I would try new things. I'd experiment. I would do whatever. What do I have to fear? You have nothing to fear when you lean on the powerful presence of your God, a lesson that God was teaching Joshua. Now we have to ask the question, why did God need to tell Joshua? I think of Joshua, it's like Joshua, man. Why would God have to tell Joshua to be strong and courageous over and over again? Be strong and courageous. Let me refresh your memory. Do you recall how God's people treated Moses often. Remember that? Moses leads them out of, the, you know, out, of, out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. They pass through the sea and all that kind of stuff. Let me read you Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. When the Israelites saw the king coming with his army, they were frightened and begged the Lord for help. They also complained to Moses, wasn't there enough room in Egypt to bury us? Is that why you brought us out here to die in the desert? Wham, wham. What did you bring? Sorry, that was, wham, was not in there. Um, <laughs> what did you bring us out of Egypt anyway? While we were there, didn't we tell you to leave us alone? We had rather be, listen to this, listen to this. We had rather be slaves in Egypt than die in the desert. If you have a pen, write this down. Write this down. For most people, present pain is better than an unknown future. For most of the people in this world, present pain is better than an unknown future. We would rather be slaves in Egypt than die in this desert. Present pain is better than an unknown future unless you want to change the world unless you're called to change the world. Every single one of us is called to change the world. And I'm not talking about wiping out poverty in a whole city or wiping out poverty in a whole country. I'm talking about the, the, the calling that God has on your life to change the world around you. You cannot have the mentality, I would rather die in Egypt. I would rather be a slave than experience, than experience the excitement to experience, the, to just have the experience to pass through a sea, to do the things that the Israelites were able to do. But so many said, why are you, why are, why are you bringing us here? Why did you do this to us? We would, rather, we would rather be slaves in Egypt. Now, it was Joshua's turn. He had watched Moses, and now it was Joshua's turn. And he was called by God to, to take the people and to take, take the promised land for themselves. And they were fighting against powerful warriors. I mean, these were powerful warriors who were in this land. And it was Joshua's responsibility to take the people of Israel and to take the promised land. Joshua would have to be missing the sense that God gave him if he weren't a little worried here. I mean, because you think about it, it's not just, I mean, he, was, he watched what happened. He knew the experiences of the past. He would have to be a little dense, not to be a little anxious, if you will, or a little worried, leading the people into a battle like that. And, it, and, his, and his fears were lived out. Remember the spies? They sent the spies into the land. It, only Joshua and Caleb were the ones saying, stop whining, we can take these people on. God is on our side. We can take the mountain. 
We can, we can slay the giants. We can, we can win. Everybody else is like, oh, this is, whose idea was this anyway? This is crazy. We feel like grasshoppers uh, compared to the size of these men. Let's get out of here. Let's go find another place to live. And, and so Joshua should have been a little nervous and worried. It was lived out in how the people responded. But in encour- encouraging, as God encouraged Joshua to move forward, he also said something else. He said, I will be with you every step of the way. You will never, you will never walk alone. In Joshua chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 it says, no one, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. The Lord also promised Joshua that if he would obey, if he would faithfully obey the scriptures, that he would be successful. If you obey the word of God, if you know my word, if you will meditate on my word, then you will be successful. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it tells us, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it and meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What do we have to fear? Because the Lord our God will be with us everywhere we go. When I was growing up, up until 17 years old, I didn't think that. I didn't know that. But oh, when I had Jesus Christ come into my heart, I did. I did. The Lord my God will be with me wherever I go. And the person I was designed to be was let loose. The person I was created to be was let loose. My friends, I like this this definition. It says, courage is a quality of mind and spirit that enables us to meet danger, opposition, and all challenges of life with fearlessness, calmness, and firmness. We can face the challenges of God, not because we're so amazing, not because we're so wonderful, not because, but because we have a God who will walk with us every step of the way. He will help you overcome whatever, whatever the enemy puts in your path, whatever the enemy tries to do to keep you from becoming the person that God created you to be. You have a God who walks with you. I remember walking up to the table at that tryout and it was, it was kind of a line. It's so vivid in my mind. I walk up to the table and I got on my place and she, the, there was people sitting at the table and they had the sign-up sheets and the woman looked up at me and she said, oh, are you here to be a coach? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm here to play. I said, I'm here to try out. She said, oh, okay, just sign your, sign your name right there. My friends, we will never... You and I will never change the world if we're not willing to come out of the bleachers, to come out of the stand, to get off the bench, if you will, to get out of our pew seats and get in the game and start living our lives, start truly living our lives. We will never be able to change the world around us and fulfill the purpose for which God has created us if we are not willing to get out of the bleachers and get into the stinking game. 
No, I don't want to be a coach. Coaching is great. But right now, I want to fulfill. I want to overcome a regret that I've had my entire life. I want to do something that I've always wanted to do, and I want to play. I want to live my life to the fullest. I don't want to stay on the sidelines. I want to play in the game of life. You need to be able, you need to, be able to stand before God and ask him and, and say to him, God, allow me the privilege to play in the game of life that you have laid out before me. Give me what I need. I was surrounded by men half my age, but I want to tell you something. When I took that pen at that table and I signed my name, it was like 20 years of regret was just washed away. I could have walked away right then. I could have walked away from that table and I would have felt so good about the fact that I showed up, I signed my name, and I was going to try. I was going to try out, but that would have been no fun at all. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been no fun at all. Someone who has courage may often feel nervous and afraid. May often feel that way. But through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, they can act with confidence. And that was Joshua. He may have felt nervous. He may have felt a little anxious. He may have felt a little bit worried or afraid. But he knew his God, and he knew his God was with him. And so he acted with confidence. Joshua acted with confidence. God was looking for a man. He was looking for a man who would lead the nation through wisdom, through divine wisdom, not human knowledge. God was looking for a man who was, who was, who was part of his heart, he wanted a man who would, who would take the divine wisdom that he was given and lead the nation, not depend on his own strength and his own knowledge and his own power. Why do you think that God is looking for a man like that? Well, the reason that God is looking for a man or God is looking for women, men and women like that, is because, my friends, sometimes the tryouts of the opportunity comes when you least expect it. When you don't expect it, sometimes God will offer you something or give you an opportunity. Most of the time, honestly, let's be honest, most of the time God gives us these things when we least expect it. Why? Because God does things that are unorthodox. We have this unorthodox God. We have a God who's not always going to work in ways that we can understand. And so God is saying to us, I need people who are willing to follow after me, who trust me with their whole heart, who are faithful to me, because it's not always going to be the way you planned it. You know, sometimes I wish I could snap my finger and go back to high school and maybe try out for the team, but that wasn't to be. It's, that's impossible. But God said that day, standing down there on 42, I have another plan. I'm going to give you another opportunity. I'm going to see if you're going to take it 20 years later. God's deliverance, if you will, comes in ways that for some of us are unimaginable. We could never, I would never have thought that I would get an opportunity like that. But our God is unorthodox. And our God works in ways that to us are sometimes just unimaginable. When or how it comes is not important. 
as long as we have confidence in our God. As long as when that time comes, we have confidence in God and we are willing to move forward. We are willing to say yes. If Joshua's confidence would have been in himself and his own military uh, understanding and experience, you think about this, he may have resisted God's unorthodox but very successful strategy in defeating Jericho. I mean, I don't think, I don't, I do not think that Joshua would have come up with march around the building and blow the horn and boom, the whole thing comes down. I don't think that would have been his battle strategy, but that was God's battle strategy. It's unorthodox. Joshua never saw it coming. That's why God was looking for a man who was going to follow his heart, God's heart. My friends, you cannot allow, you cannot allow the fear of something that happened in your past to stop you from doing something in your future. Because God wants you to overcome those regrets. God wants to give you an opportunity to slay those giants. God wants you to give you an opportunity to pass through that sea. God wants to give you an opportunity to take on that lion. Maybe you walked away, maybe you ran away years ago, but God is gonna give you opportunities again. And he's saying, now I'm with you. You know me. We've been through a lot together and I'm going to open up this unorthodox opportunity for you and you're going to need the courage to walk through. You're going to need the courage based on your knowledge and understanding of who God is and what he is capable of doing. God promised Joshua he would be with him all the days of his life. He would not leave him alone. And my friends, we have, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have that same assurance We have the same assurance. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse five, God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm gonna be with you every step of the way. I'm gonna walk up to the table with you. I'm gonna walk into that job interview with you. I'm gonna walk into that struggle with you. I'm gonna walk into that rehab program with you. I'm gonna be with you every step of the way. During the tryouts, the first thing they asked us to do was to bench 220 pounds as many times as we could. Now, not making excuses, but I ripped my sternum about six or eight months before and I hadn't worked out with that kind of weight for a long time. I remember benching 280 when I was 19 years old. That was my max, is 280. 20 years later, my friends, 220 is a lot of weight. So I'm standing online thinking, oh, crud. You know, I signed my name. I could just go home. You know what I mean? What made it worse is the guy in front of me was huge. He had a muscle shirt on, okay, and he was tattooed from his back all the way down. And he didn't have mom written on his arm or a little ichthus fish or something like that. That's not what he had. He had like snakes eating small children and he had like, you know, like, like skulls and, and blood and everything. And you know, you think some of these guys are just, you know, they just look tough. Oh no, this guy was tough. He benched 220 pounds 27 times. He broke the team record and he was right in front of me. And I was next. (laughs) So I did what every red-blooded American pastor would do, okay? I snuck out of the line and I started, no, I didn't. I, uh, I stayed there and I prayed. I said, Lord, I didn't raise my hand, but this this is, I was praying, but I was praying like this in my heart. Oh God in heaven. Lord of all creation, 
powerful one who can do all things. Let me get it just one time. Just one. Just, I didn't want to get up there and go, get it off, get it off, get it off. I didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have mattered that, well, it wouldn't have mattered that much to me. But I, so I got up there. I got it once by my own strength, two by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. I got it three times. Yeah. Yeah, I walked away. I was like, yeah, take that. Tattoo boy. <laughs> So, so we had to do that. That was the first thing we had to do. And I felt pretty good. I felt, well, you know, I haven't done that in a long time. I got it three times. I'm on a roll. And then they had, we had to do drills. I had never done drills like that before. I ran up and down the field with my friends, played football 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But we never ran. And so we had to do these drills. And the first thing we had to do was run forward, then run sideways, and run backward. How many people 40 years old or older have run backward in the last 20 years? Anybody? <laughs> Unless you're running away from, I'm, why would you run backwards? There's no reason for an, a, a someone at that age to run backwards. There's just no reason for it. I ran forward. I did really well running forward. I did, and then I ran sideways. And I did all right running sideways, and then I ran backwards. Fell right my my backside. But you know, it was it was great. I ran as fast as I could, and I just I fell down and got back up and said, you know, that was all right. No one, anybody looking, you know. There was because they were videotaping, and uh, so I got up, and then it was the, the we had to run the forty. So, you know, run the 40 as fast as you can. I have a herniated disc in my lower back and in my neck. And, and when you have a herniated disc, when you have disc problems and you get older, you just automatically protect yourself whenever you do. Some people will say to me when I'm sitting over here, Are you, is your back sore? And I don't even notice what I'm doing, but I, the way I walk, the way I stand sometimes, I protect myself. So I ran the 40, I ran it in five flat, okay? That's not bad for almost 40-year-old guy at that point. I ran it in five flat. I felt, I was like, booyah, okay? I was like, bam, five flat. I walked up to Deb and I said, how did I look? And she said, run, Forrest, run! I was like, <laughs> I was like well, it was, I kind of, I, you know, I have to admit, I probably did look like that. And uh, what was funny was I had, I, I wore like a sweatpants and my shirt and a pair of sneakers. Everybody else was like changing their shoes for different activities. That was another thing. I was like, why are you changing your shoes for different activities? So we had to do that, ran the 40, that was all right. And then came the offensive drills. And that's what I was waiting for. I was really waiting for the offensive drills. Here's what they did. They put a, they put a quarterback a coach, and a quarterback. It was kind of like one guy here, one guy here, one guy here. And you had to run this gauntlet. And the, the quarterback would throw. You had to catch it, tuck it, and drop it. And turn around, catch it, tuck it, and drop it. But they would just throw it. So as soon as you caught the first pass and you dropped it, you turned around, the ball was ready in the air. There were 13 guys in front of me, okay? Out of those 13 guys, not one person caught one of the balls thrown. Not one. Now, I don't care how much you think you can catch. When no one else is catching anything, after a while, though, I think the people got so intimidated because the guys are running through like this. You know, they were just kind of protecting themselves. And it was, like, it was like a pinball machine. It was like, bing, bing, bing. And I'm sitting there again, and all of a sudden those thoughts come. Well, maybe you're, it's been years. I've, I throw the ball with, you know, with the students and all that kind of stuff when I was a youth pastor. But maybe they're throwing the ball differently. And then God said, no, it's like riding a bike. You can do it, you can do it. 
So I ran through the first time, caught two out of three. Second time, two out of three. Third time, two out of three. I caught two out of three. And the only reason I caught two out of three is because they were poor passing. It was the poor passing of the quarterback and the coaches. And I remember them throwing it over my head. I remember one time, you know how your adrenaline gets going and your competitive nature gets going? The guy threw the ball behind me. Instead of just letting it go, I couldn't. I reached back and the ball caught me in these two fingers and I broke two fingers. It was awesome. Turned all black and blue. It was all swollen. I couldn't get my ring off for like a year. It hurt when I would pick things up. I was like, yes, yes, I'm alive. So I caught two out of three, two out of three. I caught more passes than anyone else at the, at the tryout. And so now I just had to wait and see, because, you know, falling down a little bit there, you know, five flats, not going not gonna to break, break any, you know, sound barriers or anything in speed. Um, and I had to wait and see if I had made the team. But to tell you the truth, it really didn't matter. Honestly, that's not the point of the story. It didn't matter if I made the team. What matters is that, what matters is that I tried. I tried. If we are going to be used by God to change the world, then we need to have the courage to face our fears. We need to have the courage. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're not doing because of fear? What are you choosing not to do because of fear? I want you to answer that question in your mind. What are you not doing because of fear? I want you to think about that, and I want to move on to this. What can we do to develop the courage to be world changers? What can you and I do to develop into people who can change the world? Let me throw out a few things. First, we need to connect with each other. We need to connect with each other. We need to love each other. We need to get closer in intimate relationships with each other. We need to forgive each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to show grace to each other. We need to be a body. We need to be the body of Jesus Christ because we can't do it alone. I could not do, I can't fulfill the vision, the the purpose, the calling that God has for my life without you, without the body of Christ. We can't do it alone. We need to be a unified body. We're starting a series next week called Transformed. Seven-week series. I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. I want to ask you to please get connected to a life group for the next seven weeks. Please go online, pick a life group, get in one for the next seven weeks. If you want to go back, that's totally fine. But we need to connect with each other. You see, we all have our own style, but we're all singing the same tune, if you will. I want you to think about it. We all have our own style here, but we're all singing the same tune. God has the ability to take all of our styles and put it together in one body. I have an illustration I want to show you. And turn it up too if you can. I'll start with Adina. The snow blows away on the mountain today. Out of the print to be seen. A kingdom of isolation And it looks like I'm the queen <laughs> The wind is howling like this whirling storm inside Couldn't keep it in heaven knows I tried Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the good girl you always have 
show it to you guys as I was going through this we are all that we are all one body we have so many different gifts but we're singing the same song we're singing the same song we need to be connected as the body of Jesus Christ second we need to spend time in God's word you know a lot of you are reading through the Bible for over a year you know you read it for a year and you read it through um, and you're you're going very quickly what I might want to encourage you to do this morning is to slow down and go a little bit deeper. Try to understand what God is saying to you and then apply it to your life. If you don't understand something that you're reading, then you write it down, right? Write it down. Go to your life group leader. Go to your Bible study leader. Go to one of your pastors, one of the, one of the staff people, and they can help you understand it. Here's the deal. We need with all of our hearts to, to, to know the word of God so that we can develop a confidence in God. We need to know God's word so that we have confidence in God. Why is that so important? Having confidence in God gives you the ability to face and conquer your fears. Having confidence in our God, in your God, will give you the ability to face your fears. We all have them but they will, they will stop us dead in our tracks. But if we have confidence in our God, we can move forward and we can conquer those fears. 
Third, the third way to develop courage, to have this courageous attitude, is to recall God's faithfulness in the past. You need to recall God's faithfulness in the past. Why do you think God constantly told the people of Israel once they did something miraculous and once he did something miraculous for them to stop and to remember, build this altar so that you will remember, remember, remember what I've done for you in the past. That is so important. Remember the way that you relied on God in previous um, crises, if you will. Remember how you relied on God and how he brought you through, how his faithfulness carried you through that difficulty. Remember that. When you remember that, it gives you confidence. It allows you to go forward and say, I have faced things more difficult than this. I mean, how many of us cannot say that? Some of you have been through some of the most difficult things you can possibly imagine, and then you go through something else in your life and you're paralyzed. Remember what God has brought you through already. Remember what he has, what has, in a sense, carried you through already. And that will give you confidence to stare whatever it is that's scaring you right now in the face and overcome it. By the time I decided to go and try out for that team, I knew my God. I knew my God. He had helped me through so many other difficulties in my life. Time after time, he helped me through those difficulties. I knew my God. I wasn't afraid. I just enjoyed the experience. Finally, it helps to observe and follow the courage of others. Think about Joshua. It wasn't just what God was doing in his life. He remembered, Joshua remembered how God protected and delivered Moses. He remembered that. That was a part of his experience. When other believers share their stories of triumph, share their stories of overcoming, of God's faithfulness, let their stories reinforce and inspire your faith and your trust in him. Joshua remembered how God delivered Moses. Joshua remembered the miracles that God had done in Moses' life, and Joshua trusted his God. He trusted God with all of his heart. Are you facing some difficulties this morning? Are you facing some difficulties in your life? The secret to overcoming fear is focusing on God and not on your circumstances. The secret to truly overcoming our fear is to focus on God and not on our circumstances. As you meditate on the word of God, as you you observe the presence of God all around you in your life, the problems and the challenges of life seem less overwhelming and more manageable. We need to focus on our God. Every challenge, every challenge can be overcome as we look to the presence of our almighty, all-powerful and holy God. Every challenge can be overcome if we just focus our attention on him. Take your eyes, if you will, take your eyes off of your present situation and turn your eyes towards your great, powerful defender and deliverer. Focus on him. You can overcome anything. 
You can have all the experiences that God wants you to have. You can fulfill everything that God has called you to do as long as you're focused on him and not on yourself and not on what is in front of you. God can handle what's in front of you. You focus on him. A few days after the tryout, I was coming back to the office after lunch and I came to my office and there was a message on my offering, um, on my, my, uh, my phone. And it said this. It said, Jeff, this is the coach of the King's Comets. I just wanted to let you know that we have a place for you on our team. And I was like, I was excited. I was really excited. The first thing I did, first thing I, 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 I heard that, I got excited. I called Deb. I called around to tell, tell my family and everything. It was really exciting for me. And the next thing I did was I called a news conference. I called a news conference of all the students in the youth ministry. And next Sunday, we all got together and I announced my retirement. I never played one game because my friends, there is a big difference. There's a fine line between faith and courage and stupidity. And I was, <laughs> and every one of those guys was half my age, twice my weight and could outrun me. And I was not going to put myself in that position. So I retired and I became the chaplain for two years of the team. I invested my time in the team. I built into the team in that way. I had a great opportunity. God gave me a great opportunity. And I was able to make that team. But that doesn't even matter. What matters is that I was willing to try, that I signed my name, that I stood up and I, and I, I went forward and I did what I, would, what I was always afraid to do in the past. But this time, all those years later, I knew my God. I had experienced my God in the, in the past. I, I was experiencing my God every single day. And I was living a new life in Jesus Christ and I wanted to take on whatever God had for me. My goal in this series was to teach us to worship, to connect, to grow, to serve, and to change the world. I know I challenge you guys a lot. I know I do. I really do. More than, more than probably most pastors would do. I challenge you because I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in us in Grace Chapel. And I know, I know that God believes in us. My friends, fear is inevitable. There's no way we're going to avoid it. Fear is inevitable, but courage is a choice. It is a choice. We can change the world if we choose courage. If we choose courage, if we, choose to, if we choose to connect with each other on a deeper level, if we choose to serve God and offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, and if we choose to, to have the passion and desire to grow, to become more like our Savior Jesus Christ, as we become more like Him, there's nothing that can stand in our way. There's nothing that we cannot overcome even when fear and frustration or, or nerves or whatever get in our way. There's so many things that God would have you do. There's so many things that God would have you experience. I don't even care if you become a great whatever or a great whatever, great whatever. Experience it anyway. Try out for the play. Who cares if you don't make it? 
What matters is you tried out. Try out for the team. Try, experience, go and enjoy your life. God has so much for you. And you know the reason it doesn't matter that you fail once you try? Because there's going to come a time in your life where God is going to ask you to stand up and do something that is really gonna scare you. And you need to have the attitude that I can do it. Regardless of what the outcome is, my God walks with me every step of the way and I can do it. I can experience it. I can live out that all that God has for my life. That's what I want for you as individuals. That is what I want for this church. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, we come before you and we pray that you would, you would not let the enemy have the final word in any area of our lives. God, we pray that we, we, that we don't live with regret, but that we live a life of courage. That we don't live in fear, but that we live a life of courage. Let us leave this place, dear God, this morning. Let us leave this place with a renewed passion and boldness, knowing that our God stands with us and knowing, dear God, that we stand with each other. We stand together. We love you, we praise you, we ask that you would use us. Help us to overcome whatever stands in our way because you are awesome and we follow you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Go get them.